Hi everyone, welcome to the latest episode of Sobriety Unleashed with me, Simon. And me, Ellen. And today we are talking about how do I relax without alcohol? Um, which, Simon, I'm sure you get it all the time. This is one of the top limiting beliefs that everybody has about alcohol, that they use it to relax. Yeah. Um, at, at the end of a hard day, stressful day after work, a stressful day with the kids, they want to numb out. And especially when their head is full of like overwhelm. Yeah, it absolutely is. And actually, I think this was another one you put on your Instagram as a poll of which topics should we discuss on the podcast? And it came first by a long way. It did come first. And people, it's it's such a huge trigger that keeps people stuck in the cycle of drinking um, and that people really struggle with this. How at the end of the day can I numb out? How can I kind of relax? And quite often, of course, we're relaxing from something that alcohol, ironically, exacerbates the stress the stress of parenting the stress of um overwhelm at work the stress of dealing with ma- uh, family members who we're not able to set boundaries with uh, all those kind of things yeah and i think you can end up in that vicious cycle of actually trying to relax from the symptoms that alcohol has caused yeah. so you drink again yeah recreate the symptoms and it's just this daily cycle and that was absolutely what I was in I truly believe that alcohol helped me relax it helped me unwind which temporarily it hit the pause button for a an hour maybe yeah but the next day my anxiety was off the chart all I was thinking about was drinking again I was craving booze and I I would do the same the next evening to relax from those uncomfortable feelings I didn't know what true relax relaxation was no absolutely and of course people go on holiday to relax as well and the holidays are based around alcohol so quite often we come as you said there's that cycle of we drink we don't sleep well we wake up hung over and we start drinking earlier and and we're in that cycle and at the end of the holiday no relaxation has actually been had yeah it does take quite a kind of mindset shift though as to what relaxation is doesn't it yeah totally and I think it actually starts with a kind of acceptance and acknowledgement that alcohol doesn't really help us relax and I think when you can understand that and it takes maybe a little bit of research or reading or learning or listening to podcasts like this to to truly grasp it then I think you can start sort of stepping forward into discovering true relaxation but it, it definitely starts with a kind of acceptance of yeah this this is a limiting belief it doesn't really help me relax absolutely so tell me what are your kind of top tips for relaxation now that you've given up alcohol and you've got quite like a few years of um sobriety under your belt so what are your go-to for relaxation yeah and I think it is important to kind of discover new go-to places for relaxation new coping mechanisms for want of a or, or ways to meet your needs and that starts we talked about it before with like understanding what's important in your life understanding your values and for I always think about the things that when I'm doing them I'm not thinking about anything else but things that I get really immersed in and weirdly most of them are things that I used to do when I was a kid that when I started drinking I stopped doing them painting creative writing um exercising and fitness walking in nature um getting out on my bike and riding that that, those sort of things just 
they feel like a bit of an escape. They, I'm not thinking about other things when I'm doing them. What about yeah. you? What do you do? I bet you've got loads. Yeah, much the same as you. And I'm talking to somebody yesterday about how when I started climbing, when I gave up alcohol, that for me is the, I love the escape. It's meditation in motion, I always say. And walking is very much the same thing. It clears my head completely. And I said this to her yesterday, I'm very honest about what happened with my breakup with my husband. And I know that when I climb, I cannot think about anything other than the step ahead of me. Like, where am I reaching the next hole? Where am I putting my foot? It completely clears my head. And the day that I learned that my husband wasn't coming home, I had a climbing class that evening and, you know, everybody around me expected me to cancel. And I was, no, that's exactly what I need to do. I need to go. I need to be in that climbing class and think about nothing else other than that. And it gives my head kind of chance to work out my thoughts and come home and and face things in a much more rational way. So climbing for me, definitely one of the top ones. Yoga and within that kind of meditation and breathing um, exercise and movement does tend to be my go to cooking though I love and I really realized uh, over the last couple of weeks how I've let these kind of daily rituals the things that I'm very proactive in to deal with my stress levels and to relax I've let them kind of go off during the summer and cooking is a huge one nourishing myself well enjoying a meal with friends enjoying a meal with the kids that's something that's really important to me and some people find cooking triggering yeah absolutely some people find that whole like it's normally when I have a glass of wine however lots of people that I speak to also find it a really good kind of form of therapy yeah exactly and again that's part of the work isn't it in uh, and I would say around learning how to relax is learning what triggers you as well yeah absolutely. because you know so if if for example cooking is a big trigger well what can I do about that how can I approach it differently so trying to identify anything that triggers you and set boundaries change it up change the times you know make it different in some way it's going to actually bring less stress into your life which is going to minimize the desire to relax i guess yeah absolutely and with cooking it can be something as simple as changing the time that you do your cooking can't it and um, most yeah. people are are sorting the evening meal and that's when they would pour their first glass of wine however for the first month of sobriety change it up and cook earlier in the day but if you enjoy that and i really enjoy cooking now that my kids are older i hated it when they were younger because i'm too much of a control freak however when now they're older it is a really lovely form of kind of therapy it's quite an intimate thing to do alongside somebody somebody else and going to a cookery class with friends if you're not connecting with them over alcohol try a cookery class because that's a great way to relax together and have a laugh enjoy yeah enjoy time together yeah absolutely if you're watching live on youtube i can see a few people are on linda carolyn cassie joe um if you've got any questions about this or you want to share how you relax without alcohol we would love to hear you know we love answering the questions live and responding to the comments so absolutely um, put them on there i think one of the other things that was quite a big breakthrough for me was when i learned about how cortisol and adrenaline affects our bodies and like when we're kids up until about the age of six our kind of mind and body is working out our cortisol levels and depending on how much stress is around us so if you're in a family where there's lots of arguments and you're constantly on edge your cortisol level gets set really really high Mm -hmm. and it can mean that in later life you know you're quite high up on the spectrum and you can be susceptible to getting into the fight or flight or freeze state really quickly when you you don't want to be there and 
I actually believe that alcohol was exacerbating that for me. It was causing me to be in this almost panic-like anxiety state that was further adding to this need to drink, to relax, to numb it out. And actually, since I quit drinking and through educating myself, I've become much more aware of that and been able to sort of work on things that I know will sort of keep me on an even keel, help to keep those anxiety levels down. And I know I would never have even looked at it when I was drinking. I wasn't interested in going inward and understanding myself better. So I, I feel like not not only do I have more methods of relaxing without quitting, I've kind of become better at it. I've sort of made some good lifestyle changes. Yeah, absolutely. And that's only through understanding how that, that physiological response to stress and anxiety. And it is exactly that. People don't really realise that this is something that has to be worked through the system. And that trauma response that you're talking about, that I definitely have realised that that's something that happens. It's something that physically happens to me. And when you stop and you remove alcohol you can really become mindful of what the power the body is reacting to certain situations for me like true relaxation is setting really strong boundaries with anyone anything any event any situation that causes that response in me um so that I don't need to physically relax. I, I can go, okay, now I'm taking care of myself. I'm setting my boundaries and I'm staying in my own lane and not taking on any responsibility for anybody else's actions or thoughts. Yeah, I think and that's so important. It's a difficult thing to do. And like I went on holiday once with somebody because I couldn't set that boundary. I couldn't say no to her. So I, off I went to Greece. But um, now it is is this serving me well or is this causing some kind of response in me? If it is, then yeah, I set that boundary. Um, but being very proactive in that day to day and kind of reevaluating it every week, right? What do I need to do? What, what pressures am I putting on myself that are unnecessary? Because quite often that's what we do. Um, it doesn't matter to anybody else, does it? And taking those off the list and making sure that I'm not around people that kind of trigger me in any way. Yeah, and listening to your body as well. Like, yeah. there's a, a, I read something recently that was really interesting. Like, when somebody, if I was to, like, I'm not going to do this, but if I hid in your house and jumped out on you, which I don't, don't have a habit of doing. <laughs> I've got a really scary basement. Please don't do that. <laughs> you're going to have this moment of shock, right? Where there's this huge yeah. release of adrenaline. And what happens is the the message kind of it it passes through our frontal cortex i believe yeah. uh, and then it sort of triggers this release of adrenaline but you quickly realize it's no threat it's only simon he's not going to kill me and, and, and he was just playing a joke but that feeling of that release of adrenaline i started to really notice how often it was happening in the most obscure situations situations that didn't prevent present a threat or anything so yeah i just come back to that point around really learning and what really helped me was you mentioned it earlier breathing and mm -hmm. knowing that actually slow deep breathing particularly through the nose slows down our nervous system it, it kind of blocks it from having that response you know it it, it just prevents it so that's been a, a real godsend for me yeah and me too and being grounded working through mindfulness techniques at any point that I feel triggered and I feel that physical response I've never had an anxiety attack although I've come very close to it and the um, because my husband was suffering from like severe mental health problems in the house we were constantly walking on eggshells and I could feel 
that at those cortisol levels like raising and rising and rising and rising until I couldn't process them anymore uh, and that was really when it was like we can't live like this um but learning that okay I need to take a step back I need some space I need to set those boundaries but I need to breathe in the moment when things were very very bad it is okay I need to stop and work through mindfulness things how like can I feel my feet um can I feel grounded and do a body scan of, okay, I can feel this. I need to relax. I need to just breathe. And that does get me through the moment of when there's that real anxiety um, ridden moment. And boundaries aren't just, uh, just to be clear, boundaries aren't just about people either. You know, boundaries can be places. They can yeah. be behaviors, situations, anything that you think actually that presents a threat to my sobriety, to my well-being, or it's not something that's kind and loving to myself. No. That potentially needs looking at as a boundary. Yeah, definitely. Uh, massage is another thing that I have started adding into my routine. And I love going for a massage. And it's something that um, I've also got my daughter doing. I mean, she's, they're all dealing with the same thing that I am. So we go for regular massage, which of course, it does help move all this kind of these hormones around the body as well. Yeah, that's, that's true. Absolutely. I did some emotional healing work. And after after I did that, she talked about peptides, which carry emotions. We talked about them before. And she said, go and get a massage. You need to release all of that, yeah. all of that junk from your body. So yeah, absolutely. I did it. The lymphatic drainage, drainage system, it really is important. Um, and it feels decadent. That It feels kind of a bit selfish as well as a mum, like, oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to take time out for myself and sit for an hour. But actually in this world where we're not very tactile with each other just touch can be something that helps relax you um and when you give up drinking you've got so much time and you've got so much money that you didn't have before so going for an hour like once every couple of weeks to have a massage to be proactive in your relaxation and and how you deal with your stress is so important yeah i couldn't agree more absolutely um there's a few comments cassie joe said how do you stay sober through the weekend this seems to be a real struggle for me only for the first couple of weekends I, it, I think you need to accept that actually first couple of weekends are going to feel strange it's going to feel difficult but as you go on you gets easier and easier and easier and you just reach for your sober to- toolbox there's so many things that you can reach for distraction those first weekends connecting with other people turning up to some meetings um, connection like that is really important now, I don't give alcohol a second thought on the weekend. It doesn't matter what day of the week it is. It's, it's just not something I turn to. What about you, Simon? Yeah, I, I know it's a big challenge for a lot of people. And definitely when I first quit, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, yeah. Sunday, that was my increased drinking days yeah. where I would have way more than one bottle of wine. And I've, I, I think you're, what I did was I changed my routine. Mm. So I started to, I made plans over those first few weekends. I planned to take my son bowling and we went to the cinema. We, we just, I just did things and kept myself active and, and just changed what I normally did, which was actually sit on the sofa and guzzle wine. Uh, that, that really helped. And also having things to look forward to yeah. that weren't alcohol based, even if it was just a new series on Netflix or a takeaway or something, but they really helped. So they can feel like a treat on a, on a weekend evening. Um, so that, yeah, I think they were probably the, the biggest things that got me through the weekend and having some nice 0% drinks that I could have instead. Yeah, absolutely. And like we said about the cooking, 
it's very difficult to um, when you're in that routine of when you drink, like this is exactly what you do. If you stay in that routine for those first couple of weekends, it, you're going to find it quite difficult. So change it up, change your routine. As you say, go do something different different think about what you would have liked doing as a teenager pre-alcohol um and go and do something like that something that makes you laugh something that's fun yeah and even to the extent of thinking about okay where could i go where i definitely wouldn't drink you know Mm -hmm. i want to make sure i don't drink between 7 p.m and 10 p.m where could i go and i know that if i go there i won't drink yeah there's no pe- uh, no point in going around like the same places, the same people and the same routine in those first few weeks and then wondering why you're failing at, at, at it. Like, oh, OK, I don't know why I'm slipping up. It, it's just because you're in the same routine. You've got all those associations, all those triggers. So just change it up. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the definition of insanity, doing the same yeah. thing over and over and getting the same <laughs> results. Um, Linda said, giving myself permission to just relax has been so helpful. It's my job. Yeah, Um, It's that permission to relax is such a difficult thing because we are told to hustle, hustle, hustle. You don't sit down, you don't stop. And I remember years ago, my yoga teacher saying to me in a world where we like, we have this constant buzz. If we're at home, we have the radio playing, we have the TV on. There is never a time that we sit quietly with no kind of stimulus around us. And the importance of doing that is it's so high. So having permission to relax it's okay we don't need to hustle all the time you don't have to multitask everybody has permission to relax yeah i think this is where though challenges can come up for some people definitely for me because i think a lot of people keep themselves busy to protect themselves from some of the uncomfortable feelings that can come up when we're with silence when we're with with nothing Uh, and it can be really difficult for a lot of people so yeah I I think that can be a skill that you you build up as you go forward yeah that's definitely something to practice and maybe to think about later on in sobriety when you start to unpack a lot of the reasons why you were drinking yeah totally what one of the other things that helped me just I suppose it's not so much relaxing but it's it's relevant and it helped with just dealing with uncomfortable thoughts and feelings that were coming up was just using my breath as an anchor. And even if I was out in the supermarket or driving the car, if something difficult came up, I would acknowledge that the thought was there. I wouldn't try and push it away. I'd accept that thought is with me now. It's an unwanted, intrusive thought. And then I would just bring my attention to my breath without trying to push it away and just concentrate on the breath going up my nose, back out of my nose over and over until it sort of just faded away. And that seemed to work. And I I still do it from time to time now. Uh, And that can be a really useful technique just to concentrate on your breath if there's external things or internal thoughts causing bother. Absolutely. And I would like think about it, take your mind to it. Are you like this? Because as human beings, we do, we tend to hold our breath as soon as there is any stress and any anxiety and our shoulders raise and we we breathe into the chest instead of into the belly. So for me, it's definitely taking my hands onto my belly and stopping for a moment and trying to breathe and move the hands in and out um, and taking that breath down to my stomach all the time. And that also speaks to posture as well. You know, we can adopt a posture that actually 
causes us mentally to feel negative down stressed whatever it might be you know if you're hunched over or you know we can all think of if someone said well make a sad pose you'd probably punch up in a ball and put your head down whereas a nice happy pose or a powerful pose is one where your chin is high and it makes you feel positive it sends a message to the brain and and that actually works in fact if you're watching live now do it now do it i I had i had the women doing this a couple of weeks ago i was like queen pose power pose yeah hands on hips whatever hands in the air shoulders back chin up and it really does like yeah i can take on the world i am strong yeah it it absolutely works yeah Yeah. so it'd be chest out chin up hands on hips shoulders back (laughs) shoulders back yeah yeah beyonce pose one hip (laughs) aside yeah our yoga teacher gets us doing it and it like we all giggle and we laugh but actually and that in itself is stress relief that is a true way to relax um to relax is to really really have a giggle yeah that's true and again it comes back to just planning and thinking about it what makes you laugh out loud what you know like you took that yoga class i would be laughing out loud at that and i can see how you'd come away from it not just feeling more powerful but actually feeling relaxed because you've been laughing relaxed and happy music and dance is another one uh, i think i said this before i i like to work out and i like to have loud music so i kill those kind of two birds with one stone there and in between sets i will dance like there's no one watching um however yeah i turned around one day and my 14 year old daughter was just stood there looking at me like what the hell you've lost the plot <laughs> like no come dance with me it's good anything that makes you laugh and and some kind of movement it really does help with relaxation and sometimes you have to make a bit of an effort. You might feel in a bit of a rut and not really want to do that. But actually, it's sometimes sometimes you've got to put your canoe in the water and just start yeah. paddling. Yeah. <laughs> if you um, if you don't commit to anything else, commit to listening to one song that you know lights you up. Like you don't have to. They, everyone has one song that they sing along to that they have great memories um, from. And I quite often recommend within the groups. I'm like I've had this song playing on repeat all day, and I've been playing like dancing in the kitchen to it. Listen to it, and then we're like, yeah, that's a great song there's going to be a song that you love and that that really does light you up commit to just listening to that once a day what i would also say is actually worth making a little playlist on your if you've got spotify or one of those music playing apps that are songs that you just can't help not sing into Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know don't put on their radio head or any no, nothing kind of suicidal songs. no yeah. nothing like that has to be high energy um empowering songs there's a few um like xavier rudd follow the sun if i listen to that and i walk i can tell you they are my pure moments of happiness when i listen to that and the sun is on my face i'm like smile that's me happy if even if i'm having a really really shit day that moment of, of pure happiness it like keeps me grounded and grateful yeah i think it's so true music can make a massive difference and if i've got a few clients i do coaching with and they they play instruments like the guitar the piano and they find those a great go-to so if you've got a hobby like that you know you've got the tools at your disposal yeah um let's read a couple more comments um Cassie Joe said, I feel like relaxing leads me to wanting to drink. So I just stay busy until I go to bed, which can be helpful. It, like keeping busy can be helpful. Yeah. But it also can be a bit like willpower. It'll only last so long. So it's important to, 
ensure that you're working on your mindset you you've looked at your beliefs around alcohol and like ellen said you've got the tools in your toolbox to navigate your way through it but i'm not opposed to distraction and in fact i i did the same thing yeah and it's funny actually because my daughter uses sports as um a way to relieve stress and to relax and she would have some sports teachers saying you're doing too much you need to relax and I, we went to the doctors and the doctor was saying do you know what if it's doing you ment- your mental health and your emotional health good you keep on doing it. you're not doing yourself any physical damage so distraction and getting it as I said like meditation in, in motion when you're keeping yourself busy that is not a bad thing especially to start with yeah, I suppose it's what you're doing to keep busy that yeah. really matters. And, yeah. and also making sure that it's not just chores or or thing, you know, things around the house. So, but there should be things in there that are kind of for you. Yeah. And, and I suppose cleaning the house is for you in a way. But <laughs> I find that quite therapeutic. And I, one of my clients at the moment definitely has said that she's got like two cupboards left to do. And there is something good about sorting out the house that does it feels like okay again it clears the mind it gets it focused and you feel like you're achieving something so it is that kind of um, empowerment it's the day-to-day things that don't just fill your day up with yeah as you say chores do something that you're feeling a sense of achievement when you finish it yeah I, I couldn't agree more my wife and son went away to Copenhagen over the weekend for four or five days and I thought when she comes back I'm going to make sure the house is absolutely spotless and I really got into it. Once yeah. I started, I was clearing out cupboards. Yes. I was changing things up. It was great. It can be really therapeutic. Really, really therapeutic. Yeah, until the cats then started making a mess. Yeah. I like to I clear mean, it up again. <laughs> there's chores that um, I read something the other day. With daily chores, the things that are ongoing, don't think of it as a done and dusted job. Think of it as where, uh, where am I on the cycle of this? Because it can be really disheartening when you come in and the kids have undone or the cats have undone what you've just done. Yeah. But it's okay. This is they're, they're just cycles. And where am I in that cycle of the chores? Other things that you can do, like I've ticked that off the list. That's a real sense of achievement and helps build your, your self-worth, I think. Yeah, I like that, the cycle. Um, Carolyn said, actually, sorry, Ashley said something before that. I'm getting myself confused with all the comments. Uh, she's actually said, which is correlated with anti-stress effects and relaxation. If you can shower when you're triggered, like coming home from work, it can serve to recalibrate. I know, I actually know a guy who has a cold shower every morning. Yeah, cold water dipping is the way forward. Like uh, Tony Robbins, he's massive cold water. He's got a um, cold water thing that he does every morning. It is proven to really um, reduce cortisol and help with depression and stress. So if you can stand it, um, start doing some cold water showers. Uh, Huberman Lab, he has great research on that and the effects of cold water. And Wim Hof as well, I think. Wim Hof, of course, yeah, who is the the man, absolutely. And it's something that I do. And Carolyn, Carolyn does it. It, again, it makes you feel alive um, and it makes you feel empowered. I can do hard things. Uh, just that in itself, it makes it worth it. 
where I, the gym I go to has got a snow room and oh, and there's real snow and ice yeah. in there and you can shut yourself in there. So I, I go in there, I take my phone and I time myself. My record's three minutes, 26 seconds, I think. That's but very cool. It is, it's like, it's, it's one of those things when you're doing it, you can't think about anything else. No, and it's mind over matter, knowing that you can control your mind and you can breathe, like breathing your way through cold water is is how you get through it. Um, so yeah, knowing that you can control that and that you have the power to do what you want to do, it really, really helps with your self-worth. Yeah, I think it can help on several levels, can't yeah. it? So yeah. yeah, there's a lot in that. And there's some good books and videos and things yeah. about it as well, isn't there? Um, Carolyn said, my husband used to free climb, i.e. without ropes. And he used to tell me that that was when he felt most alive. Yeah, anyone that hasn't watched Free Solo... <laughs> watch that film because that is an amazing film about Alex Honnold who does uh, the free climb uh, and you kind of watch it behind a, a pillow but absolutely anything that really gets you in that flow state and I've talked about that before um, you can get that with running you can get it with all sorts of things for me yeah definitely climbing or running it, and that's a good question isn't it like to to ask yourself like when when did you last feel really alive and what was it that made you feel like it? Because these are the things we want to bring back into our life and do more of them. Yeah. And normally it's like stepping outside your comfort zone, which is exactly what Carolyn says with the, the free climbing. Anything that is slightly outside your comfort zone, it doesn't have to be massively outside your comfort zone. You don't need to go and climb, climb <laughs> yeah, El Capitan to start off with. No. However, just for some people, it for some people like public speaking is a huge, huge thing. It was for me. Um, anything that's slightly outside your comfort zone makes you feel alive. Uh, you know, I did the skydive as well. And that was one of those things that was like, yeah, I absolutely loved it. Way outside my comfort yeah. zone. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I've done some public speaking and yeah, the feeling afterwards, the, the sort of energy and yeah. the feeling. All those like endorphins, that. yeah. Yeah, you're just buzzing. Yeah, that's a natural high. It is a natural high. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, what else have we got? Carolyn said yoga is an amazing way to relax. Child's pose, savasana, which is Shavasana, a cor- corpse, yeah, pose. corpse pose. <laughs> yeah it's my favorite yeah I'm not a yoga expert as you can gather (laughs) and she also said box breathing is a great technique when feeling really anxious yeah Cassie Joe also said I found that working out has helped me a lot I will work out in the morning before I go to work and will use the virtual reality to work out doing a boxing game at night very cool that sounds like fun yeah yeah I like that a lot so um and she also said, I just literally stay as busy as possible if I start feeling the urge to drink. I've got three kids under six, so I've always drunk to relax, but I'm trying to get away from that. The irony there is that parenting is made so much easier with sobriety um, for numerous amount of reasons. The fact, even if you've got three kids under six that don't sleep very well, and I had like, I got three kids, one of them didn't sleep for the first four and a half years, not one night. However, that sleep that you do get when they are sleeping is so much better when you're not drinking. Um, The fact that you're waking up slightly more kind of clear headed in the morning, even if you're having broken sleep with the kids, your patience is so much better with them. Um, So you're able to deal with them in a a completely different way. You're able to set boundaries with the kids so that you're putting yourself first. uh, And so you're giving the best of you to them. Parenting is much, much easier in sobriety. And therefore, yeah, you're not drinking to escape 
what alcohol is kind of exacerbating. And what I love about this, I, I'm really pleased that Cassie Joe shared that about her young children, is th- this behaviour is generational. Yeah. We almost each and every one of us will say, you know, one of my parents drunk heavily, one of my grandparents used to drink all the time, and it just goes on and on and on. And we don't want that for our kids. And actually, when you make this choice, especially when they're as young as Cassie Joe's kids, you stop it, you end it for all the generations to yeah. come because they see what you've done. We've said it a million times before, our kids do what we do, not yeah. what we tell them to do. Yeah. And they learn from it, they grow from it and they start making sensible choices about how they want alcohol to feature in their yeah. life. So Cassie Joe, when you're thinking about your relationship with alcohol, just think that you're actually changing all of their relationships with alcohol. Yeah. That can be a big motivator. Yeah, and they will know that that, that that is an option. I just didn't know that sobriety was an option. I didn't know one adult that didn't drink alcohol. So uh, I'm hoping for my kids, yeah, it's just the norm. And Cassie Joe, exactly the same for your kids. They're, they're so young that what a great role model you're being for them. Yeah, exactly. I'm not saying they'll never drink. I'm saying that you no. equip them with a much better understanding to make sensible choices as they go into adulthood and even showing them that there's different ways to relax and them having that as a role model and them knowing that they can turn to different things not alcohol that in itself is a reason to continue on this journey I think I always get my clients I know we've gone a little bit off the topic of relaxation but I always get my clients who've got kids and it it is age appropriate but like for a kid under six you you could say to perhaps the oldest one do you prefer mummy when she drinks or when she doesn't Mm -hmm. drink and it can be very powerful to hear it said back to you well I prefer you when you don't drink and then to ask the big question why yeah yeah Uh, it's a scary question but yeah, yeah absolutely and oh yeah that that's quite close to home seeing the energy shift in adults when they drink and I now set boundaries around people that drink and seeing it from a kid's point of view, I just can't think what it must be like. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, absolutely. I know from speaking openly to my son that he felt I was a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde character. Like you said, that energy shift would happen on a daily basis. Yeah, they don't know who they are getting. No, exactly. I'm just um, reading through the rest of these comments. Uh, There's loads of them today. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Linda said that when she first quit to change change up her routine, she started preparing her dinners in the morning rather than cooking in the evening. Yeah, great idea. That is a good idea. I really like that. Yeah. Um, So what what else around relaxation? I think we talked about some methods of actually relaxing, but it's it's very much a kind of finding what fits, you know, kind of just get putting yourself out there and, looking for something that feels like a good fit isn't it yeah absolutely and I think it's being proactive there's certain things that you do on a day-to-day basis that are your non-negotiables these don't have to be things that you like add in so that you're causing more stress they can actually be the exact opposite the the setting boundaries or um yeah have a look at your list and making sure that you're not taking on too much um asking for help as well that's a great way to relax like actually you can reach yeah. out and ask for help um those daily things in staying proactive mean that you don't have that like real need to numb out at the end of the day yeah there, is, it, there was a something in the news recently because they'd always believed that 
depression and depression which is closely linked to anxiety and stress all the things that are the opposite of anxiety uh, sorry of relaxation that they said that um they'd always believed that people who were depressed had often had low levels of serotonin and they'd done some studies and found that actually it's not the case and they now believe that the vast majority of those feelings are related to our environment yeah the people places situations behaviors and actually that's it's incredibly interesting and and it really speaks to this point about relaxing yeah and if anybody hasn't read the uh, what happened to you book by oprah oprah winfrey and um, bruce d perry i think it is he does a lot of research about the different cultures and how depression is very much like this is in our culture but we are in a time where most people live in households where there's under two people we don't ask for help there isn't that community like there used to be um we don't go to church like we used to there isn't that community where you have somebody who notices when you're ill who brings your food if you're ill who you have someone to talk your your troubles through like your environment is so closely linked to your mental health and your emotional health finding those people that light you up and that um can can be there for you there's certain people we were talking a bit before there's certain people to stay away from um that don't help with your anxiety who want to be who are not necessarily a safe space but those people that you feel are a safe space and that you can talk about what you want to when you want to if you have troubles you can speak to them about it but actually they're going to just take you at face value and uh, they're the people to be around yeah and actually often when things are hard you you touched on this earlier when things are hard that's when you want to draw closer to the people the activities that that feel good and make you feel good you said it yourself about the climbing on you know on the very day that your husband said he's not coming back yeah absolutely it is it's an escape for the mind temporarily like all our stress isn't necessarily going to evaporate like with sobriety it's not a magic pill that makes everything better life is still hard but the way that we manage that um, and the environments that we seek out the communities and the connection that we seek out they're a lifeline yeah, they totally are. And actually, you know, in that situation, it would have been so easy to have just said, I'm going to isolate myself. I'm going to wallow. Yeah. And it, that is a an animal instinct to do that. When we're in danger, when we like we think, we right, I want to die. I want to go outside. I want to isolate. I don't want anyone to see me when I'm struggling um, to actually connect and be vulnerable. That is where strength is. We, we're taught in society that strength is about keeping your shit together, keeping it all, you know, being able to do it all. And it's not strength is saying I can't cope right now. I need help. Yeah. And how many people find it hard to ask for help? Yeah, so many. Yeah, absolutely. I know I did. You just, yeah. you know, I think especially as a man, it can be, it can, you know, people can feel that it's taking away the, their masculinity. by. Yeah, well, I think it is. It's strange that you say that, because I would say, especially for a woman as well, we're told that we can have it all. That doesn't actually mean that we have to have it all. We're told that we can be mums and we can go to work and we can keep a house and we can do all these things. We can stay slim. We can exercise. We can eat right. We can't possibly do it all. We don't have to do it all. What we have to do is be at peace with ourselves. And that means like cutting out probably at least a third of that stuff. Yeah, and not listening to half of the BS no. you read in the media. No, absolutely not. No, I agree. All right, we'll wrap up there. So that was episode number 11. We've got episode 12 next week, live again on YouTube. So we'll see you all next week. Yeah, absolutely. Bye. <laughs>